Well, good morning. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time with us, uh, we're so glad to have you join us. We'd invite you uh, into our foyer after the service. We have a big sign on the wall that says, I'm new, and beneath it is a table. And if you go there, we have a gift for you. We'd love to have the chance just to visit with you for a few seconds. <clears throat> if you're like me, uh, you can remember a moment when you got just the right word at just the right time. It was a word or a piece of advice, a quote or a conversation that you desperately needed and was incredibly helpful. It was maybe a piece of advice or something that was just perfectly scripted for the very thing and the very moment you were going through at that time. Maybe it was marriage advice, maybe it was parenting, maybe it was financial, maybe it was just a word that you needed just to kind of kick you in the butt and to get you moving. And it was exactly what you needed for that moment. And it came at just the right time. If it had come a year before, it would have gone in one ear and out the other. If it had come two weeks later, it would have been way too late. The timing was perfect. The word that you needed came at just the exact time. This would be what we would call a word in season. A word that comes to the exact circumstance that we are facing at just the right time that we need it. And one of the great truths of the Christian faith is that the Lord who created all things looks and sees us and knows exactly the season of life that we are in and exactly what we need for that season. As we head into this new year, here's what I know. If I got you all up here to come and tell us a little bit about your story on the stage to everybody else, you would all describe a different season of life than each other. That even though it's January and it's winter, we can all find ourselves in different seasons of life. Mark Buchanan, who's a great Canadian Christian author, and if you're looking for some good reading material over the winter, I would encourage you to check out his books. He talks about, as Christians, we can go through seasons of the soul. And in, he talks about them, kind of comparing them to four seasons that we experience here in Canada. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. That there's seasons in life, seasons in our soul that we go through, and they kind of feel like winter. There's seasons of life and seasons of our soul that we go through that kind of feel like summer. And they're not necessarily go back and forth like normal seasons do, but we can each find ourselves at different times in a different season of the soul. Let me go through them just really quickly and describe them. And maybe as I do, one of them will stand out to you as like, ooh, I think that's the season I'm in even today. The first is winter. And you know, anybody know anything about winter? As you walked into this building today, the days are more dark. We live in confined spaces in our apartments and our homes, very unlikely to go outside. We see less people and it can feel a little bit lonely. The color drains out of everything. Trees lose their leaves. The grass gets dead and turns uh, yellow. I call it this season, the season of kind of salty gray. That's the kind of color of everything right now, especially my vehicles. And it's just plain cold. This is winter. We know winter. But there can be seasons in our life that feel like winter too. There's more darkness than light. We feel alone or secluded. It's one of those seasons where everything feels more difficult or more heavy, and it starts to impact our faith. We kind of lose our spark of faith. And what we believe actually starts to get tested. And we, Do I really believe that? And we start to wonder, can God really dwell in winter? Could he dwell with me in winter? In winter, we live off the preserves of last season. We talk about God's goodness, not in this moment, but I remember in the last season, God was good to me. And that memory gives us a spark of hope that we need because we maybe aren't experiencing the goodness of God in this season. 
Winter is that season where we learn how to wait well. We know it's eventually going to end, but it certainly doesn't feel like it today. Winter of the soul is the season where we learn to walk by faith, not by sight. And the gift of winter, the gift of winter is that it humbles us. And it creates space in our hearts to begin to see our need of God and even how deep, strong faith could be cultivated in a difficult season. Now, some of you don't need me to go through all the other seasons of the heart because you already know this is the season I'm in. I'm in winter. Another season of the soul is spring. Now, we know spring. Let me tease you a little bit, okay? Spring is the season that tells us winter is ending. We are moving slowly out of winter. Uh, It's a hopeful season. Temperatures start to warm. The snow starts to recede. Plants start coming up out of the ground and there starts to be color in the world again. We hear birds singing and we remember not everything died in winter. There can be seasons in our spiritual life that feel like spring as well. Spring is the promise of new life to come. It's not here yet. But I see signs that it's coming. We have a reassurance that it's just around the corner. There's no apples on the branches yet, but we see the blossoms. It's kind of like those of you who are going in the next number of weeks on a winter vacation, okay? You know in a few weeks, you're going to be laying on a beach and it's going to be 35 degrees. And as you walk outside today in the freezing bitter cold, you will be warm on the inside because you know vacation is coming, right? Hope is the same way in spring. It's not fully spring, but it's coming, and we can feel it. I love how Buchanan says, spring brings vindication. Spring says, even though I doubted God in the winter and I wondered if he was really here, I see now that my faith was not misplaced, and hope rises in our spirit. If you're in a season of soul, of spring, this is a time to do work. It's a time to plow. It's a time to plant. It's a time to begin again. It's a time to say, there's a new Bible study. I'm going to sign up for it. Or someone asks me to volunteer. I'm going to say yes. This is the season to say yes. It's a season to do good things and to discern how to cooperate with God's spirit in our lives. And some of you might be in a season of spring. You remember winter. That was last season, but you feel now you're kind of moving into spring. Summer. It's cruel to talk about summer and what has been the coldest day of the winter so far, but just bear with me, I'll be really short. Summer. We know summer. Sunlight, long hours of daylight. We slow down, we go outside, we go to parks and beaches, we spend evenings on the back deck in our shorts and t-shirt. It's a time to take vacation. We go home early from work, we take four-hour lunches, and we just relax. This is summer. Some of you are in a season of soul that is also summer. You're not running around frantically searching. This is not a busy season for you. You're savoring the good things of God. It's a season of abundance, not necessarily because you've earned it, but because God has blessed you. And it's your job to be thankful, generous, and grateful, and just to soak up the good things of God in your life. Some of you are in this season, and we're happy for you. Fall. We all know fall. It's the season of reaping the work of spring and summer. Our gardens are ripe. The vegetables are ready. We go apple picking. Everything's got pumpkin spice in it. And we think of all the good things of fall. And some of you are in a season of fall in the soul, too. It's that season where you think all of the hard choices and the hard work in spring is finally starting to pay off. 
You were wise financially in spring. It wasn't fun, but you were wise. And now in the season of fall, you reap the blessings of it. You were wise in your marriage in the season of spring, making good investments and staying disciplined. And now in the season of fall, you have the blessing of it. Fall is when the slow, quiet accumulation of wise choices finally pays off. Prayer, spiritual habits, devotion start to pay dividends in this season. And you recognize the goodness of God and the wisdom of God. Paul would call this a harvest of righteousness. And fall is also the season where we are not naive and we remember that winter may just be around the corner. And so we store up in preparation. So what season might you be in? Maybe you're standing in a shoulder season. You feel like you have one foot in one and one foot in the other. Think about it for a second. Which season is your soul in even as we begin this new year? Because Jesus, regardless of what season you're in, is with you in this season. And he has a word for you in this season. There's not a word that scares the Lord off. There's not a, or not a season that scares the Lord off. There's not a season by which he says, you know, I don't really have anything to offer you. He has a word for each of us no matter the season we find ourselves in. I want to invite you today to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. If you want to use the Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 1148. You can look it up electronically as well. Isaiah is one of the uh, Hebrew prophets in the Old Testament, sometimes called a major prophet, and major because he was long-winded and wrote uh, many, many chapters versus minor prophets, which were short and sweet. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55 is this one, one of these wonderful passages where God speaks to us about his desire for you and for me. Let me just read verses 1 to 3, and then I'll jump and read verses 6 to 7. Isaiah 55. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why would you spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, and that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Let's jump to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and the Lord will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will freely pardon did you hear the words of invitation in these verses? God's clear clarion call to each and every one of us to draw near to him, to listen to him. And it reminds us that each and every one of us get to choose what we listen to, who we listen to, what advice we will listen to, what advice we will take most seriously and will most shape our lives and our attitudes and our plans and our thinking. You get to choose what you will listen to going forward. And this passage acknowledges there's going to be advice, there's going to be counsel that's given to each of us that's going to promise what it can never deliver. We're going to talk more about this in the next three Sundays. It's going to promise what it can never deliver to you. And God's invitation, he's ready to speak, he's ready to give his word, he recognizes the season that you might be in, and he has something for us. So he invites us to come, sit down at the table, pull up a chair, put your phone away, and listen to me. 
So I ask myself this question. I'm going to inflict it upon you too. Where is the space that you hear from the Lord? Where is it in your calendar? Where is it in your home? Where is the time that you have carved out that you said, you know what? This is my time. I'm going to come. I'm going to sit. I'm going to listen. I'm going to interact with God through his word in this space. It's a time of New Year's resolutions. It's a time of looking to establish new spiritual habits. So in this season, I encourage you to ask yourself the question, where will I in this season make the choice to listen to God speak to me through his word? And not just listen to it, but to meditate on it, to get all that we can from it. Uh, There's this kind of gross image found in Psalm chapter 1 where it talks about, blessed is the one who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. The word meditate there literally means to gnaw on. It's used elsewhere to describe a lion chewing on a bone. This is the idea is, I'm going to get every last bit of nourishment out of this that I can. And this is the spirit in which we come to the scriptures. God, I come. I open my heart, I'm going to clear my mind, and I invite you to speak to me. Now, God's word is not magical. Just reading it and kind of waving it in the air does not accomplish anything. We come with open hearts and we believe. And when we believe it's applied to our lives, that's where the power and the transformation comes from. Let's keep reading verses 8 and 9. The Lord says to us, My thoughts... They're not your thoughts. Your ways, they're not my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is a reminder to as Isaiah is speaking to us. It's almost as if he knows his, our thoughts, which is who are we going to trust? We have access to all of the information and messages and attitudes and opinions that you could ever ask for on any number of topics in our lives. And the Lord wants to know, who is the one that we are going to trust? Who do we think is the wise one? Who is it the one that we think we can base our life upon, the one we can literally walk on his word and to trust? The scriptures remind us that the Lord sees the future and he controls the future. He knows every person and circumstance in your individual lives. He knows all of the consequences of any decision that you might make today or tomorrow or the day after and all the consequences of all the decisions that people around you might make. He knows it all. He sees it all and it's in that context that he offers to speak to us to give us direction and to give us the guidance and the care that we need. Raising the question, are we more likely to trust God's word on a matter or some of our own thoughts on a matter? You know, studies say that the average human brain, um, we use about 10% of its capacity. And of that 10% capacity, I don't know what your brain is like, mine, not enough sleep, poor diet, uh, under the influence of maybe too much stress, um, lacking self-awareness, Um, not knowing exactly what a good choice is all the time because it's tainted by what I really, really want selfishly for myself. All of that goes into my little brain and the temptation to trust that versus God's word, maybe you can see the danger. The question about our ability to trust God's word might be most central as we come to the issue of scriptures. Do we trust the Lord? Verses 10 and 11. As the rain, I love these, as the rain and the snow come from heaven 
And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Listen to this. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it has been sent. You know, it's going to snow a little bit this afternoon, and it's going to rain a whole bunch on Wednesday or so, the Weather Network tells us. You can't stop that. And once it starts falling, you can't call it to go back up into the clouds. If you're supposed to fly on Wednesday, or you're supposed to go for a beautiful hike and hoping for sunshine today, it's going to happen. And when the snow falls and when the rain falls, there's nothing we can do to make it reverse. So God's word, when he speaks, it goes out and it cannot be returned. It cannot be reversed. It cannot be unspoken. Meaning it's been released and it's going to accomplish what God intends. We can't stop it. We can't change it. God's word has been released and it's on the move. And its mission is to bring life. This is why he uses the metaphor of water. Water is the life force of all things that live. Everything needs water to live. In the same way, God's word, when it goes out, its purpose and its intention is to take our lives and to create life in it. And I think for Christians, and I think especially today, this might be the question that we have to wrestle with the most. Do you really believe that God's agenda for you is one of life? Is God trying to take something from you by following him? Or is he trying to bless you with something by following him? Is he trying to limit your life and reduce it and boil it down to some really boring, one-dimensional, black-and-white version of life? Or is he trying to infuse you with a life that you could never find on your own? This, I think, is the question that many Christians have to wrestle with. Do I really believe that if I trust the Lord with all my heart and do not lean upon my own understandings and all of my ways acknowledge him, that he will direct my paths and it will be life for me or will it be less for me? You know, this year is the, going to be a year of uncertainty. No matter how many resolutions you make or how optimistic you are, you don't know what this year will bring. None of us do. It's filled with uncertainty. Some of you will be required in this year to do things you could have never imagined you'll have to face. You'll be faced with huge and exciting opportunities that you could have never imagined. Some of you will be faced with some incredibly difficult and hard decisions. Some of you will be invited to do things you've never done before and they will be scary. Some of you will be invited to do the same things you did last year and that will feel scary. Some of you will feel stuck some of you are going to feel liberated. The truth is this, we have no idea what this year is going to hold for any of us. But God knows. He knows what your spring will be like, your summer will be like, and your next fall will be like. He knows what seasons you will go through in your soul. And he will be there with you, and he has a word for each and every one of us, no matter what we go through. And we can trust him. 
Now, one of the great things about our church becoming more uh, multi-ethnic is that some of you will oftentimes share different traditions that you ca- are kind of normal for you back home, and then when you come to Canada, you think, how come you guys don't do this? And oftentimes, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of the traditions that's come to us mostly from our Indian community is that on New Year's Eve, there's kind of a, a time to gather and a time to pray and a time to receive a word from the Lord that will kind of serve as your word from the Lord for the coming year. And over the last number of weeks and talking to some people, they were reminding me of this tradition. And one of the families from our church, Maduri and her family, have blessed us this year with these wonderful scripture verses. I'm wondering if you got one when you came in. If not, we'll grab, you can grab one on your way. I want you to grab it for a second. I love this idea of just imagining that God would care about me so much that he would give a word for me that I can count on, I can rely on, and I can keep coming back to again and again to benefit from it throughout the year. The scripture verses that we handed out today, there's 120 different verses, so likely only a few of you have the exact same one, which is to say that the verse that you have today, hold on to it as if it's God's verse for you as you enter into this new year. I invite you to take it, stick it somewhere where you'll see it often, put it with your scriptures where it is that you pray in the morning, take a picture of it, use it as a screensaver. I invite you to share it with people as, as it, this verse has value to you. I gave one out at the 9.30 service and they grabbed it, they read it and they went, oh my goodness. Instantly, it spoke to them because of the circumstance that they were in. For you, that might not be the case, but next week, next month, in the middle of July, you might stumble across this verse and think, this is exactly what I needed for this season. That God, just like rain and snow falls from heaven, he gives me this gift to help me in the season that I am in. Because he cares for you. He knows your life is difficult. He knows it's complicated and it's challenging. And his desire is to give you everything you need for life and for godliness. Let's pray together.